Hello, and welcome to the place where the revolution will not be televised. But it may be podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm John. This is the People's Podcast, and today we'll be talking about episode four of season five of The Walking Dead, entitled Slab Town. As usual in this podcast, John and I will talk through what happened in the episode from beginning to end. We'll veer off on whichever tangents take our fancy, and then we'll discuss any especially interesting aspects of the episode in more detail. Here we go. My first question was, I'm going to bring it in really early, what do you think the timeline is here? How long is it between when Beth is taken and Daryl runs into the others? I think it can't be more than three days. How long was he with that group of bad guys before they actually tracked down Rick's group? I don't reckon that there could have been more than a few days passed between when Beth was abducted and her waking up. Right. So I reckon that's around about three days as well. So let's say it's three days of Daryl getting to Rick and then the next day they arrive at Terminus. And then we reckon it might be three or four days since Terminus in the other group's timeline at the moment. Yeah. So it's something like seven days since Daryl and Beth lost contact with each other. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think so. How does that play out against Beth's timeline as we see it in this episode? How long do you think she could have been out for? Well, I said I don't think it could be more than about three days between when she was taken and when she wakes up. How long do you think this episode happened over? Well, I think that was clear. I think it was about two days, wasn't it? Yeah. So I'm just wondering how it all lines up. I'm not sure it matters other than the fact that we know it's a weekish. Okay. You're more concerned with timelines than I am, generally. <laughs> uh, I like when they add up. Alright, so Beth wakes up and she's in a hospital bed. She has a bit of a freak out, but very quickly she's introduced to a bunch of new characters. We start off with Dr. Stephen and Dawn, the cop. Dawn seems to be in charge of this place. The Dawn-tatorship. The Dawn-tatorship, exactly. And pretty quickly Beth is introduced to the philosophy of this place, for want of a better term, which is that once people are quote-unquote saved they then have to work off the resources that they've taken up by being saved. Yes, which is a treadmill. It seems a little bit like those old coal mining villages where you could never work off what you owed to the company store. That's right. Yeah. Sort of the American healthcare system writ large. (laughs) Yes. You did comment on how weirdly normal the place was, how odd it was to see things like janitors mopping away in the corridor. Yeah, well, I think that Beth, having seen someone mop the floor, was probably thinking... That's such a normal thing, but I haven't seen it for such a long time. Mm. Uh, It would have seemed quite surreal, I think. In fact, I think that the ticking of the clock right at the beginning also would have seemed strangely familiar and strangely alien at the same time. Because how long would it have been since she heard the ticking of the clock? Yeah. In a way, some of the stuff they were putting their efforts into keeping, like the ticking of clocks... That's the sort of stuff that doesn't really matter in Beth's world anymore. It doesn't actually matter whether it's 8.30 or 8.45 in the life that Rick's group is leading. No, it just matters whether it's light or dark. Yeah, so it's a sort of artificially imposed order. Well, I think given what Dawn says later in the episode about the necessity to hang on, because she firmly believes that life is going to return to normal, she's hanging on to as much of it as possible. The next character that Beth runs into is who I'm going to call Officer Rapist. Fair enough. And he's being creepy in the food queue. 
Yes. The character really, like, there was no effort at him having even a thin veneer of pleasantness. No. He's strange into creepster. Everyone, well, apart from the Doctor, I suppose, although him even to some extent, everyone at this hospital is very intent on emphasising that Beth owes them. Yeah, all of the conversations are really about yep. a commerce frame of mind. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very strange. Whether, you know, you owe us service or you owe us sexual pleasure, which is obviously what he was going on about. You owe me your body, which is just apparent. Yep. Everyone is very focused on what they feel entitled to because of saving Beth's life. Yeah. And I think that's how they justify what they do to people. Mm. If they're in the city, it must be really very dangerous to go out and do runs for food or runs for any sort of resources. So that sort of mindset, like what they're doing with the bodies and putting them down the lift shaft, Mm. as soon as something's not breathing, it's a commodity. And even while it's still breathing, it's basically a commodity in this place. Although I wonder whether the city is as dangerous as it was when... Well, you have your theory about the dispersal of the walkers once. Yes. Yeah. It definitely wasn't as dangerous from what she saw as it had been when Rick walked in on the horse. Well, no, when Rick walked in, there were thousands. Yes. Thousands of zombies. A swarm. Uh, yeah, very much so. A mega herd. Whereas Beth walked into a herd of small to average size. Mm. She's certainly seen bigger. Absolutely. As the actress said to the bishop. <laughs> Uh, after she's had her chat with Officer Rapist, she goes to visit the Doctor in his Sanctuary of Art. Well, he's got one art piece. He had one and art one piece. record. And a lot of chaos. <laughs> yes. A lot of boredom, apparently. Yeah. I liked her response. How mm. lucky to be safe enough to be bored. Yeah. It's true. Everyone in this place needs a bit of Beth Truth spoken at them, <laughs> Yes, she did a lot of that this episode. I was very pleased. What did you think about his little musing on the place of art in this world? I think that it was a kind of fatalism that he seems to have accepted. He was basically getting at the fact that art doesn't have a purpose anymore. He was saying that art is for civilizations. Mm. Art is a way of rising above barbarism. Yeah. Well, I think he thinks that, despite what he says, I think he thinks that his life is basically barbaric. Yes. And so his holding on to that piece of artwork and the music, I think, is something that he has mixed feelings about. I think he holds on to it because he would like to believe that he can rise above the barbarism, but he doesn't really, not in his everyday life. Yeah, it's almost like a self-flagellation thing in that he is reminding himself of how far he's fallen. It's, It's a very bitter thing for him, having that stuff around. Yeah, it was very sad. He spoke about it in a sad way. He wasn't talking about how wonderful it was that he still had access to these wonderful human creations, which are so rare now. Yeah. He wasn't talking about it like that. I do love the idea that somewhere in a hotel in Georgia, in Atlanta, there's a Caravaggio. (laughs) I think you should have said Caravaggio print. (laughs) A new injured person is brought into the hospital. And uh, Stephen and Dawn have a bit of a face-off. He says it's not worth wasting the resources to try and save this guy. Yeah. And Dawn is really keen that he should be saved. Why? Well, I think because of what's revealed later, that he's a doctor. And not long after that, Joan, we find out her name is later, is brought in, clearly having been recaptured after an escape attempt, Mm. and having been bitten, which leads to the really graphic amputation scene. 
It wasn't as graphic as it could have been. Like it, well, that's true. It was graphic, but I feel like it could have been worse. <laughs> it certainly could have been worse, yes. Well, okay, so the quite grisly amputation yes. scene. But the thing to note about that scene, of course, is that she doesn't want to be saved. No. She spends the entire time struggling against it, which is the first really solid concrete sign that there's something deeply wrong about this place. Up until now, it's been fairly strong hints, but this is the first time that you see someone who was here risk her life to escape, and then when she's recaptured, given the choice, would opt for death rather than stay. Yes. So I reckon Beth got a fairly serious wake-up call. Oh, yes. There'd have to be massive alarm bells going after that scene. So after that scene, she meets up with the laundry boy, Noah. He sort of fills her in on exactly how bad this place is, that Mm -hmm. the ex-patients who are working off what they owe are basically the guards' playthings to do with as they wish. Yeah. What's the phrase? The... The wards keep the soldiers happy so that the soldiers can keep everyone safe. Yeah. It's not a great arrangement. (laughs) No, it's not at all. Um, Particularly, I mean, Beth is, of course, looking at this situation having been in a very functional one in the past and knowing for certain this is not the way to do things in this world. Not necessary. No. You do not need to suffer rapists in this world. No, certainly not. Noah also puts forward the idea that he reckons when they took him, they deliberately only saved him. Yeah, because they thought his dad, who was apparently larger and physically stronger, would be too hard to control. I mean, again, it's part of Dawn's ethos that you have to do what you have to do in order to keep their small, tiny slice of civilization going until they're rescued, something which is never going to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. And apparently for her, that means I need to have people that I can control. There cannot be any dissent. I can't allow even the possibility of it by allowing someone who is physically able to dominate me to live. Which is astonishingly Machiavellian. Do you think it's a choice she's making or that the guards are making? Because she doesn't seem to actually be going out on the runs. Well, yeah, it probably is a choice that she's making in the knowledge of what the guards would want and what they'd do if things weren't kept sweet for them. I doubt they actually sit down and talk about, hmm, how are we going to maintain this situation where you can rape whoever you like? I doubt they're having, you know, staff meetings You don't meetings think that's item that. three on the staff meeting agenda? I don't think so. I think she... I reckon there is this unspoken agreement that she will keep things sweet for them. So you think she she's knows... mostly allowing it through silence? Well, no, fairly actively. I mean, she decided to kill Noah's dad die. I think there's quite a lot of active... um... I don't think she necessarily is. If they were out having some sort of fight and two soldiers or cops or whatever we're calling them turned up Mm. and only saved Noah and let his dad get taken by the walkers, Mm. that's a decision that they made on the spot. I didn't understand that that was necessarily the context in which they let him die. I thought perhaps they had them both in the hospital and only treated one of them. Maybe, but I think both scenarios are equally plausible. Whatever. I still think that there is a significant amount of action on her part to maintain the status quo. It's just not not doing things. Oh, yeah, and she was the one who said to Beth, this is part of what you're going to have to do to stay here. Yeah. It's extremely messed up. So Noah has his escape plan, and he's just been waiting for the opportune moment. But they don't seem to do anything more about that at that stage. It's just sort of useful information. (laughs) The Doctor and Beth have another conversation about the meaning of life, and this time the question at hand is, 
why stay in the place that's this horrible versus leaving. This is the conversation on the roof. He goes down to the ground level first that's and shows right. her all of the horrors of outside. That's right. In the form of eight walkers. It's not really that horrifying for Beth, to be honest. I thought she might have been playing it up there a little bit. Well, I wondered a couple of things about that scene. I mean, part of it's just, you know, maybe they didn't want to pay for more extras than that. Mm. But I wondered a couple of things about the way that the people in this hospital think as a result of the location they're in. Right. Because they're in a city that was totally overrun. I mean, we've talked about the sort of mega herd there was when Rick rode in. Mm-hmm. It must have been an absolutely terrifying place to be, in, in a way that almost nowhere our group has been exposed to actually was. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the farm being taken over was pretty horrifying, but the main way they dealt with it was to run away, mm. whereas what this group did was to fortify. Yeah. So the last proper view that a lot of them had of the outside world was an absolute hellhole. Yeah. And then they've been extremely isolated. So I think it's had two effects. One is that their view of exactly how dangerous it is immediately outside their doors mm-hmm. may at this stage be heightened because, like you say, the groups may have broken up and gone off into the countryside. So actually it might be totally possible to get out of Atlanta at this stage. Mm. So that's the first effect. They may have a really heightened view of how awful it is immediately outside their door. But they also haven't had the same sort of view of the overall picture that Rick's group have had. Rick's group have been roaming around the countryside. They've met people from a whole lot of different groups and locations. Mm. They probably have a better picture of the fact that actually there's been a total collapse. So this idea that there's someone coming to save them in the hospital, Beth's reaction, I think, is the same reaction that everyone in Rick's group would have. There aren't saviours on the way. But if you're really fortified up in the middle of a city with a really authoritarian leadership who's not telling you anything about what they see outside... Yeah, I suppose the thing is that Beth has been in lots of situations which have been unacceptable and which she and others have then just left. Yes. She has lots of experience of that, whereas the Doctor hasn't. He's got no previous experience of striking out into the unknown as opposed to staying in an unacceptable situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Beth is probably more optimistic about her chances of survival by leaving. Yeah, that's true. You don't get the impression he's ever been on even a single run, really. No. How many walkers have you killed? Ducking. None. (laughs) So what did you think of the Doctor's decision to stay rather than go? I thought it made sense, given his experience, as you described. Do you think he would have made a different decision if he was a woman? Yeah, I think he probably would have. Although he might have had some more bargaining power as a doctor, possibly. But I think that in that case he probably would have sympathised a lot more with the other women at the very least. Yes. Right at the end he talked about the story about the Apostle Peter denying that he was a disciple of Christ. Mm-hmm. I wondered whether that was meant to be a parallel, whether he was admitting that although he complains a lot and although he is definitely willing to talk about the flaws he sees in the Mm. system they've set up in this place, Mm. he also is a follower of this system. He has bought into it as much as he denies. Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't entirely sure what the relevance of that story was. Okay. But what you describe, I think, sounds likely. Fair enough. To be honest, I wasn't really sure what he was getting at. It's very easy to be complicit in a system which costs you nothing. Yes. And costs other people everything. Being one of the people who holds power in a system and saying to the ones who hold none, well, I'm afraid you've just got to suck it up. This is how it is. Mm. I mean, really, that's unacceptable. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's circumstances like that that lead to revolutions. Absolutely. And Beth has her own little revolution later on. Exactly. But in the meantime, Beth is sent by Dr. Stephen down to administer some drugs to the injured man. Mm -hmm. This was one indicator that maybe more time had passed than expected, because apparently Beth has just received a little bit of instant nursing training. Although I suppose maybe Herschel had trained her up a bit. It's likely that Herschel had. That's true. Oh, well, that made a lot more sense then. But the doctor was very quick to just send her off to administer a drug. Yeah, I suppose it would have been good if there'd been a conversation at one point. Even just a snippet of a conversation of her telling him, oh yes, no, I know how to use syringes. Yeah. My dad was a vet. That might have been useful. But that's what I would assume, anyway. The administering of the drug goes very badly, I think it's fair to say. Well, he dies. (laughs) It goes just about as badly as it can go, really. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) But Noah takes the blame. Good old Noah. Yeah. I wondered why he decided to take the blame for Beth. I wondered that too. I think what they were aiming at was displaying that this guy really is trustworthy. Because, look, he'll take a fall for you. Yeah, I was wondering whether he had perhaps thought that he wouldn't necessarily take a fall. That he'd just be written off as a stupid Noah. And that he was gambling on perhaps not being beaten up. Maybe. He was perhaps trying to save them both, I guess, in that sense. A lot of his actions this episode, if you look at it not from Beth's point of view but from his, aren't really that smart. Like, he opens up with his entire, I hate everyone in this place, Mm. I'm trying to escape plan to her, very quickly. Someone he barely knows. Someone he barely knows. He doesn't know anything about her character or whether Mm. or not she's likely to fall in line with with these people and, you know. She could just as easily have gone off and told Dawn what his plan was. Yeah, she may be a natural stooge. Mm. You know, and then he follows it up with volunteering for a beating. When he doesn't really know what happened in that room. Mm. It's a set of very strange choices from him. But maybe if he's been there that long, he's that desperate. Maybe. I mean, the other explanation, of course, is that writers just wanted a certain thing to happen. Well, yes. It it could just be a little bit of sloppy writing. I think there's a bit of that going on. (laughs) Oh, well. So Noah takes the blame. He's taken off for a beating. But Dawn is not fooled. Before that, though, doesn't the doctor try and convince Beth that she got the drug wrong? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't have enough of any of the drug names to no. remember which one he'd said. I couldn't remember. But fortunately, they wrapped it up at the end of the episode. Oh, but absolutely. Continuing on, Dawn. Dawn has a chat with Beth. It's the one where she tries to tell Beth that she's weak and that the reason she'll need to accept this system is that if she leaves, she'll be dead. Yeah, which strikes me now as just the wrong thing to say to Beth, really. Yep. She's clearly been reading the How to Survive the Zombie Apocalypse by Carol manual. Beth has. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Whereas um, Dawn has been reading the How to Survive the Zombie Apocalypse manual by Shane. Yes. Because you're right, it's exactly the wrong thing to say to Beth, because the very next thing she does is go to Noah and say, so we're escaping now. Yeah. That's happening. You want to escape? Because I'm going now. <laughs> That's right. So the steps of this plan are that Beth will steal a key, which will get them to the lift shaft where the bodies get dumped. And then they will fight their way out through the basement and uh, see how they go from there, basically. It's not the best plan we've ever heard. It's not an A-team plan. No. So but then again, it's not an A team. It's the B team. Is Yes. Well, look, Beth B is... B for Beth. Beth is B team. I'd say Noah was C team at this point. He is a bit. Yeah. Injured Noah was certainly no great shakes. No. He hadn't even acquired a weapon for his escape plan. I uh, know. Oh my god. I mean... 
I mean, it's a hospital. Surely there would have been a scalpel. Some kind of stabbing implement around the place. Yep. Even the broken end of a broom would have done. Do you know what there aren't enough of in this hospital? Empty old rail carts. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Also, Beth obviously never got the memo about wearing a poncho of horror. Yeah, I, I wondered that at the time. They were in a massive pile of... Of dead bodies. Yeah. And the first thing I thought was, slit them open, cover yourself in dead guts. Gross up. Gross up, and you can just waltz out of there. Yeah. That's really weird, though. I would have thought everyone would have had the memo about that. It's a pretty good memo. I mean, they figured it out quite a long time ago. Yeah, although she wasn't with the group at that stage. That's true. To be fair, though, Carol wasn't with the group on that escapade either. No, I know, but it's kind of... I mean, this is just survival skills that you share. Yeah, and what else do they have to talk about? Exactly. Squirrels again. You know how we got through there? We disguised ourselves as dead people. Yeah, sorry, you can you can do what? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's a pretty key one. Okay, but before we get to the lift shaft, Beth has to go to Dawn's office and steal a key. Yes. Which she does. She also finds the wallet of the injured man, which Mm -hmm. has a hospital swipe card in it. Yep. Which is the thing that tips her off to what Dr. Stephen is up to. She also finds Joan, who's clearly suicided on the floor. Yes. So she got out in the end in a horrible way. Yep, she was determined. Despite the fact that there is an imminent zombie on the floor... Officer Rapist is really the main problem in this scene, because so he comes. Did Officer Rapist see Joan on the floor? No. I think it was a sort of L-shaped desk. Right. And she was behind it. Okay, okay. Because, yeah, I did wonder about that. About how unobservant he appeared yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had his eye on other things. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Ugh, such a creepster. Yeah. Which makes what happened next all the more satisfying. Joan is officially my favourite zombie of all time. <laughs> yes, indeed. My my respect and liking for Beth grew several times in this episode. Oh, good. And it was crowned at this moment, I think. The pick the lolly jar up, smash it against his head, and then push him into a walker was perfect. This place's philosophy of use everything you can, she has taken it to heart. Yeah. It was fantastic. And she's off out of there. I really liked when she walked off cool as a cucumber down the hall mm. and just says to Dawn, oh, I think I think they were looking for you. You should go to your office. Yeah, obviously in the hopes that perhaps she'd get murdered as well. Yeah, you go deal with that problem. <laughs> you go deal with the living corpse of the woman you sentenced to a life of being raped. Yeah. You go deal with that. We'll just be escaping. <laughs> Which they do. They head off to the lift shaft. And because no one can ever climb down anything without something going wrong... No, of course not. Noah injures his leg on of the course, way down. Of course, it does. The basement, though, is quite creepy, very dark. I was rather sceptical about the ability to shoot zombies in the dark. I know, right? I was like... Perfect headshots in the dark. Yes, like a whole row of them, all yeah. in a row. I was just like, mm, I'm not sure that this is strictly realistic. Yeah, but what it was was visually stunning. Yes, it was. Those, I don't know whether it was the camera and the lighting working in conjunction or something, but those one-off flash shots yes. of all the headshots with the gun. Particularly effective if you manage to pause on exactly the right moment. Ah, uh, yes. As your you favourite st- part of the whole rewatch. <laughs> if you step through that particular scene frame by frame... To see all of it's the very rewarding. exploding heads. It's, it is very rewarding. I think it's part of our duty to fully appreciate all of the effort that went into those exploding heads. They were pretty great. By noting every little bone and a lot of blood teeth. and all the teeth as they explode outwards. Yeah. 
they also reminded me of the type of panels you see in the comics. Oh, yeah? You know, if you had shown that scene in the comic, what you would have shown would be a series of the headshots I could see in that. the dark. Yep. So I thought that was pretty cool. I feel like the episodes are getting a little more comic-like, not in that they're getting ridiculous Batman-y style comics with kapows and things, but just, you know, the structure where you deal with one sort of discrete story, but they slowly build up and focus on a few characters, not the whole swarm of them, and, Mm -hmm. you know, that visual, and the visual last week with Gareth being reflected in the... In the window. In the window. Mm. I think, yeah, there's a few really cool shots that have reminded me of really cool comic panels. Yep. Anyway, I really liked the basement shots. Although, I agree. Of all the ridiculous headshots people from Rick's group have made, mm. Beth's are amongst the most ludicrous. <laughs> That's right. She must have sonar or something. They're out of the basement. They run into the daylight. Make a run for it. They make a run for it. Now, I did wonder, why would you not even check the hearses? Yes, I agree with that. But then again, maybe they knew they were being pursued at that point. Because the guards appeared quite quickly. Mm, they after did. After that. We don't know. Earlier on in the first cut of the episode, there might have been a scene in which one of them says, oh, I can hear them coming or something like that. And then they ended up just leaving on the editing room floor and they just thought, oh, well, whatever. But I agree with you. If they didn't know at that point that they were being chased, then yes, I would have checked the cars. But they didn't. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Not the worst thing ever. So they get out past the first gate, and there is basically a barrier of walkers between the first and second gates. Yes. It wasn't the most clear part of the episode, action-wise. No, it wasn't, But I, really. what I assumed had happened there was that Beth had drawn off the herd, mm. so that Noah, on his bad leg, could get away. Yes. Otherwise, it makes no sense that she went from being ten metres in, in the lead to the last person through the gate. Yes, I think that works. At the time, I was wondering how did this happen, but your description, I think, is the only way it could make sense. Well, the upshot anyway, no matter what happened, is that Noah got away and Beth is recaptured. Mm-hmm. And she's quite happy, though, that Noah got away. Yeah, oh, you know? she seems very chuffed about very it. Very chuffed. One in the eye for Dawn. <laughs> One in the eye for Dawn and the Rapists. Dawn and the Rapists. It's a really horrible band. <laughs> Back in the hospital, Beth speaks some much-needed truth to Dawn. Absolutely. No one is coming to save you. You Stop living this fantasy. Stop living this fantasy and stop making the rest of us live this hell. Because you think there needs to be some kind of order in place when the magical fantasy rescuers arrive. Yeah. Not a thing that's going to happen. Beth was fantastic in that. She was just, listen, bitch, this is how it is. Yeah. The woman acting Dawn is acting the hell out of a crazy lady. Yeah, I think it's in that scene that Beth notes the photograph on Dawn's desk. There's a photo frame with a photograph in it. I think it's smashed. Or the, is the that not the photograph from the earliest... The, in the earlier scene where she's stealing the key, Oh, maybe. It there's a photo scene. on top that has Hansen, who is the no, original no, 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 no. leader of these people. No, I don't think it's that. Oh, okay. There's definitely a scene in which you see a photo of her with someone who appears to be her partner. Right. That could have been the Hanson photo. They're both in it. Okay. Well, whatever. Anyway, the point being is clearly she's lost someone she cared about a lot. Yes. I think it was her partner. And I reckon that part of the reason that she is the way she is now is because she's emotionally damaged from what she's lost. I think she's putting all of her hurt and her frustration and despair about what's happened to the world into this system. 
she's thinking, if I could just keep this system and hold on, everything will be okay. That's what she's clinging on to. Yes. And Beth just rips that down with well, her words. Well, for a minute she does, but I feel like when Dawn pulls herself together and just smashes the hell out of Beth... Yeah. Denial is a powerful force with this woman. Absolutely. I think it was a picture of Hanson and that the damage she has isn't necessarily in relation to a a romantic partner. I think it's in relation to the guy who she was too in command to. But I think that the outcome is the same either way. Sure. I think she's, as you say, she is working to control every aspect of life she can as a way of dealing with her panic Mm. and her pain about this world. Mm. It's not the first time that either of us have seen in real life someone who has no idea about what's going on focus on the minutiae of life in order to feel like they have a sense of control. Yeah. In order to compensate for the fact that actually they've got no fucking idea what's going on. Yes, and that that terrifies them. Yeah. She's not even a special character for the apocalypse. She's just the sort of psycho that's out there. (laughs) That's right. Although it's sort of heightened in this world. After that conversation, and after the king hit that this woman lays on Beth, she's being treated by the doctor again, Dr. Stephen. She reveals that she knows that the injured man was a doctor, yeah, and that Stephen gave her the wrong information so that she would accidentally kill that man. Mm-hmm. This is the first sign we have, really, that Stephen isn't just weak, but that he's also capable of great evil. Yes. Apart from what it reveals about Stephen, I think it also reveals a great weakness in Dawn's system. Okay. Once you make people really, really dependent upon their own usefulness to the group in a really Machiavellian kind of way, then you introduce an incentive to fuck other people over Mm. so that your own value cannot be diminished. Yes, I mean, it comes back to that that idea that if everyone in this system is required by the system to think of themselves as a commodity and a resource, then you want to maintain the demand for your particular resource. Yes, and specifically, you want to maintain the scarcity of your particular resource. You want to clamp the fuck down on supply. That's right. So he's maintaining a monopoly on doctors. Yeah, and it's completely antithetical to the way that Rick's group has behaved where the way that their group dynamics operate are such that two doctors is twice as good as one. And even the doctor who was there before that believes that. You're going to have everyone working towards the greater good. Which is really ironic, considering what Dawn said about her system working towards the greater good, Mm. when in fact her system encourages individualism and not the greater good of the collective. Yes. It's quite ironic that her system actually encourages the opposite of what she says she wants to achieve by encouraging each individual person to place themselves before the overall welfare of the group. Having had almost everyone except for Joan and Noah tell her that in the end you have to buy into the system, Beth doesn't seem at all convinced. And we see her walking around with a weapon in the corridor. She's got one up her sleeve. Yep. That was immediately before Carol was wheeled in. Yes. What did you think Beth was going to do? Did you think it was just to show that she was collecting and preparing, or did you think she was actually about to attempt something? Um, I'm not sure if I would go so far as to say I thought she was about to attempt something. I wondered if she was. Yep. I'm not sure that there was any evidence really either way. She had a weapon. She was clearly intending to use it at some point. 
but I don't think there was any indication that she was definitely going to use it imminently. Maybe she was just making sure that, you know, she's called that weapon Joan and it's ready for the next time that an officer creeps up on her. It could be that. There was no indication either way, really. No, there wasn't. But I did wonder... I doubt that she would have attacked the doctor Mm. because he's not the most fucked up person there. I think if you were going to attack the people who were the problem, it's definitely the police officers. Mm. They are the problem in this situation. Yes. So I wondered whether in fact she was about to go after one or all of them. Just thinking about the different moral statuses of the people in this group... And I'm not coming in behind the officers at all by asking this question. I think that the whole lot of them would have been better off being napalmed when the lander was napalmed. Of the new characters we've met, the one that we both seem to find least objectionable, the Doctor, is the only one who actually murdered someone this episode. Well, I suppose I'd want to emphasise least objectionable. He's still objectionable. Yes. I suppose I feel like there's some mitigating circumstances in that he's been forced into this capitalistic situation where he has to make himself as valuable as possible. And so... It was almost a sort of murder of self-defence. Almost. Almost. I think you and me being the people that we are would have infinitely more respect for him if he had gone, fuck the system. Yes. Doing what you think you need to do in order to live within the system... And to live better within the system by breaking a few of its rules isn't something that I generally respect that much. It's not enough. No, because you're not doing anything to weaken the system. You're absolutely supporting the system. So, least objectionable, but still objectionable. So he'll be the last one that Beth shivs. Yes. (laughs) They are doing an awful lot this year of episodes finishing on a bit of a cliffhanger. Yes, they are. Little Timmy is halfway down the well at the end of every episode. So, Carol gets wheeled in. Oh, it was so distressing. But also, kind of awesome. Well, she didn't look that hurt, to be honest. No, she mostly looked asleep. Yeah, I know. And part of me, apart from sort of going, oh no, I hope she's okay, the other part of me just went, shit's about to get real. (laughs) Carol's about to go full Carol on you bitches. (laughs) Enjoy your last lollipop, everyone. That's right. As soon as Carol can get hold of, I don't know, a plastic coat hanger, you're all dead. (laughs) You know, I even wondered, because I'm thinking about the scene at the end of the last episode where Daryl is in the bushes with someone Mm. and I wondered if Noah gets out, Daryl and Carol have followed the hearses, they've been watching, they see him escape, they see Beth help him escape, and they say, why hello young man. What's going on? Yes. And Carol gets, quote-unquote, injured, Res- yeah, injured and rescued. rescued. And this is all just another MacGyver mission. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? You yeah. can just imagine Beth maybe being in Carol's room, tending to her, and as soon as they're alone, Carol just opens her eyes and says, right, we're getting out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Daryl is going to shoot Here's the all doors. the hidden weapons I brought with me. <laughs> Daryl is Kill shooting through everyone. the doors in ten minutes. <laughs> Gather your things. That's right. Step one, we kill everyone. Step two, we take everything. Step three, we get the fuck out of Dodge. I do like the two of them teaming up. <laughs> yes. A lot. Like I said earlier on in this episode, Beth appears to have taken some lessons out of the how to survive in this crazy world by Carol. Yes. She seems to have been reading that manual. And Daryl. 
And Daryl, yes, well, to they be honest... a whole lot of one-on-one tutoring last to, year. To be honest, quite a lot of the group have contributed to this manual. Beth's been reading it, and I'm entirely happy that she has. She's graduated. Yes. Yeah. And clearly her experiences with Daryl in the last season, and, you know, her experiences with the group generally, mm-hmm. have led her to some very firm convictions about the way you're supposed to live yeah. in this world. And, like I said earlier, she knows for a fact it doesn't have to be like this. Yeah, yeah. Nothing has done more for Rick's leadership than seeing a few of the other leaders who are around the place. <laughs> True. He's gaining esteem just through comparison. I know. Gareth, um, Dawn, even to some extent Abraham. Like, the governor. Well, yeah, the governor. The governor was his main... Shane. Shane. Yeah. yeah. Rick is just actually doing okay, all things considered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he is. <laughs> now, I wondered... And I promise I didn't wonder this just because he's black. But when we first met Noah, he gave us a lot of information about where he was from and where he'd been going to. Mm. And the fact that he he and his father had been trying to go find his uncle. Mm. Do you think any of that stuff matters and might be building to, for example, him and Morgan knowing each other? The reason I wondered was... Because of the amount of background He gave a really unusual amount of background for a character. Yes. Oh, I don't It also know. is what makes me think we're going to see him again. I think we'll probably see him again. I quite like your theory about Daryl and Carol watching what was going on and then finding him and talking to him mm-hmm. and then planting Carol inside there. I really fucking like that idea. I hope that's what happened. I really, really hope that's what happened That'd now. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If that isn't what happened, I'm going to be kind of upset. I don't know. There are a number of things in the episode which seemed a little sloppy from a writing point of view. There were. And the amount of background could have been that. I mean, the other thing, of course, that we're not always aware of is the amount of stuff that gets edited post-filming. Things that might have made sense in the original edit don't once you cut out a scene or two. And so there might have been a reason for all of that background that no longer exists, for example. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. It's a bit hard. You ask me these questions about, do I think that this means this? And a lot of the time I find myself going, there's no evidence that it means either of those things. And I often feel that I don't give adequate answers. Because being someone who likes to base things on evidence, if there is very little, I find myself unable to come up with conclusions. Oh, dear. (laughs) Speculation's all of the fun of this. (laughs) Well, what do you think? I think, given that they've done that little teaser of Morgan... Mm-hmm. Which could have just been fan service. That little teaser of Morgan at the end of the first episode. You mean he's not going to appear in the rest of the season? Maybe not. That might have been his cameo for the season. In which case the writers are bastards. Absolutely. But that's... the writers of this show are bastards. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like that's just cruel. I agree. I don't think they're necessarily intentionally cruel. They're not George R. R. Martin, after all. <laughs> it would have made for a nice little, won't the fans have a big squee over this kind of moment. But I hope it's not. I hope it means Morgan's coming back. Yeah, and so do I. if he's coming back, then they could be weaving in some other lines, like Noah could have been looking for him. Yes. That'd be pretty cool. Yep. The two of them meeting up by total fluke, when it is total fluke. Yes. Although, I mean, they're all getting around the same area. Eventually mm. you might bump into people you'd known. Yeah, so that's true. Almost none of them knew each other beforehand. Mm. So each of them knew whatever the sort of normal number of people to know is. Let's say between four and six hundred. Yeah. So not only totally impossible for people to bump into people they know. But anyway, I like the idea that he is a relative of Morgan's. Sure. I liked Noah. 
Yes. Apart from his unwise being too quick to trust tendencies. And decision to have not stored up a weapon for his escape attempt. Yeah, presumably he's had some experience of the outside, because he was outside he for was a while. He was outside. He's been there for a for year, a while, which means so he's out there for a year. Yeah. you think he would have learned that you have to have a weapon. Yeah. Anyway. Eh, maybe that's why he needed so much help in the first place. <laughs> maybe. Now, you've mentioned this a few times, but obviously you are much more a fan of Beth than you were an hour ago. Yeah, well, she really brought her game this episode. She did. She wasted no time in deciding that these people were all chumps. <laughs> Dangerous rapist chumps. Yep. Who all needed to fuck off and die. And she assisted in at least one case of that happening. And, and you then... do get the impression she's only just getting started. Well, I do, particularly now that Carol is there to guide her way. Yep. <laughs> to help plan some serious mayhem and carnage. Oh, can you imagine when Carol and Dawn have a face-off? For those of you who can't see my face, it's an enormous grin right now. A man who is envisaging the sublime. <laughs> it's going to be even better than middle-aged psycho lady face-off. <laughs> Although it does look like from the preview, we're going to be made to wake at least a oh, week. Oh, I know. I hate it when they do that. But it's... do you know what? Oh. I was very nervous about a Beth-only episode. Mm. And it turned but it out was okay. actually awesome. <laughs> and I am nervous about an Abraham's Team episode. But maybe it will be okay. They've got Glenn and Maggie. You gotta have faith. Yeah, they've got Glenn and Maggie. And Eugene, for me at least, has turned from being just annoying to being annoying and hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, Eugene. Try and do something. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what was your favourite moment of the episode? My favourite moment of the episode was... I've got two. The first was when Beth smashes the jar of lollipops against Mr. Rapey Cop's head and then pushes him into the arms of a walker. And it's so... The irony is so sweet that the woman he raped got to kill him. That was some justice being meted out. That was a good scene that I really liked. But secondly was when Beth was delivering some home truths to Dawn, saying, you have got to let go of this fantasy that Mm. there is anyone coming to rescue us and let go of this insane system, which doesn't say it in these terms, but basically what she's saying is, the system you have going here which turns people into things is bullshit. Let it go, crazy Mm. lady. Let it go. Yeah. She got smacked in the face for it. And I know that the following scene doesn't follow on necessarily directly, but Beth looks really resolved as she's having her stitches tended to. She looks absolutely steely-eyed. Dawn's smack to the face has changed zero of her opinions about this place. Her face basically just says, worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. Worth it, we'll do it again. Yeah. In fact, we'll, we'll do, do it, it again. again. <laughs> you just wait. Yeah. So yeah, they were my favourite parts of the episode. What about you? Well, they're pretty solid parts. I'm just trying to think if there's any other part that really stood out for me. They were great. I did like the moments of resolve from Beth. So there was the one you mentioned, and, you know, after she's been smacked. But I do like that basically every single time she got hit this episode, it instantly led to her going, well, fuck this. Yeah. Because the, the time it happened before that was when she went straight to Noah and said, so we're escaping <laughs> now. Yeah. So I think if I was going to add anything to the mix, it'd be that moment. Because, yeah, every time Beth got hit this episode, Mm. instead of going down, she just came back. Yeah, she raised the stakes every time. Good on Beth. Good on Beth. Who would have thought we'd ever say that? Not even me. Really? Oh, You've liked Beth for a while. I liked her earlier than you, but I think we both started 
not being massive fans a couple That's of true. seasons ago. That's true. No, no, she's earned her stripes. Yes. What would you give Zombie Kill of the Week? Well, it's a bit hard to pick out of all of those exploding heads which one was the best. In fact, I'm not even sure I could describe it well enough to be able to pick a particular one. But that set? Yeah. The exploding head sequence, I think, is Zombie Kills of the Week. Yeah. They were more spectacular to watch than actually spectacular deaths themselves, but I completely see why you'd pick them. There was that one when they were escaping, a walker that was sort of crawling along the ground or something. The head stomp? Because that's what I was going to give it to. and Beth stomps it on the head and then it squishes like an old pumpkin. That was quite impressive. Yeah, that was Um, definitely the one that got my vote, the head stomp. I still feel like the explosions were slightly more impressive. Yes, um, they, were, they were much more theatrical. But in terms of the entire package, because the look on Beth's face just before she stomps the head, again, it's that steely resolve, which yeah. looks so good on her. Yeah, um, she has had enough of your shit world. That's right, I'm imagining your name is Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> so what score would you give the episode out of ten, do you think? Probably eight. Pleasantly surprised by Beth. Yeah, I'd give it an eight out of ten, I think. I think I'd give it about a 7.5. I mean, there were some real moments where characters didn't behave the way that they should, particularly Noah. Mm. But I really enjoyed Beth. And there was nothing that was sort of catastrophically poor about the writing or the setup of the episode. No. To be honest, I probably would have given it 7.5 if Beth already had an awesome character established. Right. But it gets the extra 0.5 for... The rise of Beth. The rise of Beth. Yeah. Cool. What I said last week about the cumulative effect of the fact that every episode is pretty much good now. Mm, mm. There is this good run of episodes. Mm. It does actually, you know, it adds up as well. It gets you through some of those moments where you're like, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Okay, moving on. You sort of (laughs) have more willpower to just close your eyes through those bits. Yes. If it's mostly really good. Yes. I'm so glad that we started doing this on a good season. Yeah. (laughs) If we'd started doing this a few seasons ago, we'd be sitting here going, well, I kind of just didn't think it was at all plausible that they did this. I mean, it made no sense whatsoever, particularly since in the very last episode, they learnt how to deal with it, supposedly, and now it's a problem again. Why are they so stupid all the time? What about that thing where you sit there going, oh, we're having some character development for this guy. He must be about to die. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Character development used to be reserved only for those who are about to be killed in order to make their deaths more impactful. Or in a couple of really piss-poor cases, reserved for moments where someone had just died (laughs) and another character would tell you some of their backstory (laughs) to try and make you give a shit about someone you'd know nothing about. (laughs) Yeah. Ridiculous. Not so good. So, 7.5, I reckon. If it leads to Carol and her doing an awesome MacGyver thing next <laughs> time we get back to them, that episode's going to be amazing. It will be. Do you know what I would like? If Daryl turned up just with a helicopter. <laughs> well, we're getting into fantasy land of now. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'd like Daryl to turn up with Jon Snow, but that's not going to happen either. <laughs> Perhaps Surely... You know what would be really useful in the zombie apocalypse? Fucking dragons. That's what would be, <laughs> that's what would be really useful. Light those motherfuckers up. You've got nothing to worry about. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback, please send it to tppfeedback at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter as at tppfeedback, and you can find us on Facebook just by searching for The People's Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Unless it's cruel.
then you can fuck right off. Bye. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. Ha! <laughs> 